Hey, this is Gengar Greasy, and you're listening to the Poke Tower Podcast. All right, welcome to episode 120 of the Poke Tower Podcast. I'm your host, Gengar Greasy. Today, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, a lot of stuff, but it should be shorter. Should be a shorter podcast, but I'll hold my breath on that. I know I, I ramble, um, but yeah, a lot of cool stuff to talk about. A lot of different things, um, stuff we don't normally talk about, but uh, I guess you could say uh, some stuff that kind of reminds me of the early days of this podcast where maybe we, we looked a little more at why we do certain things um, and, you know, help us reason um, on which cards to get, you know, and, and not just going specifically off of price, but actually using our brains and, and doing, you know, just a tad bit of math. Um, so yeah, you guys let me know what you think. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, the other thing we had our January discord box break last Friday. It's really fun. Uh, we pulled a handful of alts. Um, I don't think we got any secret rares in Pokemon. I know we pulled some trainer galleries. Um, yeah, I think I think Digimon alts like saved the day. And then we also had our box that was donated to us from ATM all the way from Canada. He sent a vintage box of Street Sharks. That was fun to get into. There's actually there's some pretty cool cards in there. The whole set itself was, you know, kind of reminded me of some of these other animated series that we've opened before that weren't too flashy, but the chase cards were actually pretty nice. So uh, glad to see that. Make sure you guys stay tuned for the February box break. I may or may not have some big news. Um, my Discord mod, Chase, Chili Dog Chase, he's been bugging me about sports cards. So I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, uh, that's it for intros. Not much. I'm going to try and make this short and sweet and concise like, like I always try. Here we go. TCG Battle Royale. Let's do this. TCG Battle Royale. This is our segment where we talk about the four most recent booster releases for Pokemon, Digimon, Dragon Ball, and Yu-Gi-Oh. We rank them one through four based on how they're doing in the market. Remember, most expensive doesn't always mean the best. Cheapest doesn't always mean the worst. These are just kind of how we prioritize things and how we can afford, you know, to, to, to collect all of them if that's what you do. So here we go. Number one this week. Nothing new here. I'm, I'm sticking with Crown Zenith. There's just too many people excited about it. So many people are talking about it. Um, so even, even if you don't believe in the pull rates or you don't believe in the rarities, there's just so much people that are talking about it. It's got this massive spotlight. As you can see here, all prices are down across the board this week. Case prices went down to 505. This is just for the regular case of Elite Trainers. Uh, box prices are down to 58.96 from, I think it was from 59 something. So not a lot, but it is down. And the top four cards in the set are also down at 449.98. The other thing to note is that the mute, there was a little bit of shuffling at the top as well. So the Mewtwo was actually, I think the number two most expensive card. Giratina still stays at the top. Arceus dropped down. Um, and I want to say Palkia and Dialga stayed in the three and four slot, but they dropped quite a bit in price. So uh, pay attention to that. 
there's just so much. Like I said, people are carrying this set. Don't get me wrong. Really cool looking cards. Um, that's not what I'm harping on. It's just we can't get a good gauge on what this actually is until things slow down. Uh, and and then and it's just you know red hot right now. So it's gonna be stay number one. Number two, sticking with uh, Fighters Ambition. There's no releases from Yu-Gi-Oh or Digimon that are going to knock it out of the number two spot. And this being the oldest set, you know, of the bunch and, and to be able to be number two could be number one in some people's hearts, right? Like if you love Gohan more, you're, you believe in this set long term. And I do think we could see something like that, you know, in a year or two years, like this could be a set that a lot of people want because of all the Gohan inserts and that secret rare. Maybe we get a little more story on what's going on with that and... There you go. You got you got a good set. Um, case prices are down to 1070 Box prices are up to 199 Again, that's pretty darn high for Dragon Ball set, right? The only things that are outperforming that would be like, you know, obviously you have Tournament of Power. You have, you have the older stuff from 2017, 2018. That's a given. But in the modern era, like let's talk about within the last 12 months, you know, the only thing that's beating this box is going to be boxes that have God rares in them. That's it. It's, it outpaces everyone else. Uh, so $100.99 there. Top four cards in the set. $626.95, which is up. The secret rares all increased, actually. So Gohan went up to above over $300. Um, the uh, Saiyan card went up to like $180 something. And then the Cell is, was at $90. I think he's back over $100 at like $111, $112, something like that. Uh, and then you got six cards in the set to break the $15 price point. Number three this week, sticking with Digimon, Draconic Roar, but it's losing some steam here. It's red in all categories. Case price is down to $686. Box price is down to $64.99. That's still, that's like, that's like opening day prices for Digimon. So it's not terrible. The fact that it's been around this long and it's still above 60 is pretty good. And, you know, when you see a Digimon box drop below 60, like, you know, 57, 58, 59, then, you know, there's not a lot of interest there. Um, but this one is, is staying above that. And the fact that it's done that for six to eight weeks is pretty crazy. Uh, top four cards in the set come out to 118, 18. And that's what's baffling about this is that your best card in this set is like $31 or 34, something like that. Um, so, you know, the only thing I like about this set is that it's part of the EX collection. So if you're a sealed collector, you get EX1, you get EX2, you get EX3, you keep them sealed. That's it. That's the only thing I like about this. I, I don't really want to rip it open. Uh, however, I would open it over uh, the number four slot, which is Amazing Defenders. Uh, Amazing Defenders debuted pretty pretty weak here. Um, case prices are $699.99, which is down from last week. Bach, remember, this just dropped 10 days ago, by the way. So this is the newest set uh, along with Crown Zenith. Um, box prices are forty-seven seventy. And remember what I told you guys last week and the week before. It kind of reminds me of Ancient Guardians Genesis Impact. Like Ancient Guardians, you can buy a box for like thirty-five dollars. That's crazy. Now, whether or not those boxes will yield a collector's rare, I don't know. But that's some massive returns if you do. Um, but for this to be just over a week old. Right, it's a week, just over a week old, and it's already under wholesale prices. Uh, that's kind of worrisome. 
But obviously, if you're a Yu-Gi-Oh collector and you only collect Yu-Gi-Oh, this is like, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get two boxes. Um, so there you go. Um, top, top four cards in the set are 223, 63, all collector rares, 17 cards in the set that break that $15 price point. I believe 15 of them are collector rares. Two of them are ultras and or secrets. So there's just not a lot there. I mean, you're going to have to, you, this is one of those sets. I mean, like I don't see it getting better. So what I see is like, you know, if you're a player, you would just snipe your singles because they're cheap and they're going to get cheaper, but there's just no appeal for me to rip this stuff open. So I'm going to leave it at number four. Here you go. Crown Zenith, number one. Dragon Ball, number two. Digimon, number three. Yu-Gi-Oh! Amazing Defenders, number four. Now let's get into some Pokemon because that's what I really want to talk about. Here we go. Who's that Pokemon? All right. The news came out uh, about about 10 days ago. I wanted to cover it last week, but we had so much stuff in in the Pokemon segment that I didn't want to just overload on on information. So I saved it for this week. Because I also wanted to kind of think about it. Um, SGC. SGC has put out a permanent special for Pokemon. Um, $15 grades. Now, you might be saying, like, that's not that great because PSA just did $15 specials in December. Well, here's the thing. No memberships. No declared values. No minimums. So... It's five to eight, five to ten day turnaround time too. So that is, if they stick to those promises, that's out of control. Um, I mean, I've I've actually really thought about doing this over the last over the last week. Really, really think I need to actually go through my cards and say, hey, what what would actually make sense here? Um, because I do like SGC. I'm I'm increasingly liking SGC more and more every day. As a matter of fact, I watched a video today. It's very impressive. Very impressive video by SGC, very transparent. And the way they grade their cards, based on the video that I saw, is very closely aligned with how I look at cards. Um, I was very impressed on how they do it because they don't, you know, a lot of a lot of modern, newer grading companies, right? Newer grading companies that have come up in the last two, three years, they're very technical, they're very analytical, right? Um, everything's a point-based system. Now, that, that is good. It's very important because you can't lie about metrics. You know, a straight line is a straight line. And, you know, 50-50 is 50-50, right? I totally get that. Um, but SGC has this very human touch to the way they grade cards. And it just makes sense. Um, it makes sense. It's a, it's a great video. I'll share it in the Discord if you guys want to see it. Let me know. I'll share the link in the Discord. It'd be one of the few times we share something outside of the, the, the tower. But um, great. You know, that they, they, they talked a lot about eye appeal. And that's something that I always try to tell people when they're like, why didn't my card grade this? Why isn't my card? It's like, look, you're getting too technical and you're looking at the card in individual pieces. Just hold the damn thing in front of your face and look at it holistically. Right? Look at the whole thing. That's usually... When you take a holistic approach to how something looks, much like a car show or much like, you know, when you go show dogs, right? You show dogs, you show cats. Yes, there are certain metrics that judges are looking for. But at the same, at, on the same hand, when you compare it with others, you are looking at the whole picture, right? And it's something that people just forget in grading. They're getting way too technical. And that's why I'm not with the whole AI 
you know, use a computer is perfect. I'm telling you, the, the way you want your, your, your collectibles to be looked at is not by a computer because who buys them? People, people buy your cards. You want people to appreciate them. Um, now, whether or not you trust the grade, that's on you. But I thought they put out a great video is what I'm saying. I thought they put out a great video that showed why they do what they do. And it, it was amazing. Um, so the $15 grades here. I think this is great. But I also wanted to play devil's advocate with you guys and show you it's not just shooting fish in a barrel with this. It's still, still tough. Why? Why is it tough? Well, one, when you use a brand besides PSA, okay, you're not going to get those premium prices that PSA has. Why? Because people like PSA's brand. That's one thing. SGC typically sells for less than PSA. There are a few outliers, but it's not, it's not more than half the time. It's not even more than three quarters of the time. It's like maybe a small percentile. I would say one to 5% of the time, a SGC will outperform a PSA. Okay. Now, it's not just like shooting fish in a barrel. I wanted to show you an example here, and that's what this is here for today, okay? So I did a little bit of math. This is what I do on any card ever that I submit. We always check stuff before we make decisions. Oh, excuse me. So here, I, I thought, okay, you know, let's, let's use the most generic card, and let's use very realistic expectations, okay? Now, obviously, you can find other things. You could find cards out here that make sense. And you, and, and I'm, I'm just showing you part of the process. I'm not showing you the whole thing where, like, there are, you know, to this one card that doesn't work out, which is a Charizard base set, versus the other 100 cards that would work great in this specific situation. It's all situational. But I wanted to show you that it's not as easy as you think. You can't just send the house. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's an SGC5 Charizard from base set. Why did I pick SGC5? Well, I think most of you are skilled enough to pick uh, an SGC6 or PSA6. Like, I think you're good enough to eyeball that on a, on a you know, raw card. I thought, well, what if they do bad? Let's go with the 5 to make it more realistic, okay? So an SGC5 sold for 190 Best offer accepted. Obviously, this guy could have stuck 225 which would have been better. He didn't, though. He just sold it for 190 So maybe his costs were, were lower. So he was able to take a best offer here. Or he's poor, and he had to, he had to get his money back. I don't know. Um, now, I went on eBay, and I looked for the cheapest Charizard that you can get today. Well, when you do the math, the cheapest Charizard that you can get has an estimated total of $149.98. And that's not counting the taxes that you have to pay. So you're probably going to come out closer to, you know, I don't know, $150 something, right? <clears throat> so you get you get a, a an MP slash MP Charizard. Now you could pay more money. You could pay 180. You could pay 200. We're just sticking. I'm trying to I'm trying to show you that even if you do the cheapest amounts, it's still very hard to win here. That's what I'm trying to show. Okay. So we got this spreadsheet down here, and this is something that I use on all of my cards, uh, every sale, ever. Right. I have massive spreadsheet that just tracks everything I do. Um, this is a Charizard SGC5. Let's say that you sold it at 190. That's your sale. COGS, C-O-G-S, that is your cost of goods sold. When you file taxes, it's very important that you have this number calculated for every item you ever sell. 
Cost of goods sold. I put 169.98. Now, why did I do that? Well, let's just take this figure here. Let's say you found a Charizard for 149.98 out the door. That's everything covered, okay? You got to send it to CGC for 15 bucks. That's going to put you at 154 something something, right? I'm sorry, uh, 164. 164 and some change, right? And then it's going to cost you $5 to ship, so you're at, you know, 169.98. I think that's you may be a little bit lower, you may be a little bit higher. Maybe you're at 164, you know, 168, maybe you're at 173. Who knows, but you're in that area. When you ship this card to whoever buys it, you're going to pay shipping, right? 5 bucks. And then the fees on eBay. Now for me, my eBay store is 12%. Most people who don't have an eBay store are going to pay 13%. So I did a 13% fee at $25, okay? Your return on that is a negative $10 bill. So you can't just go and send any old Pokemon card. Now, this is also a Charizard. The reason I picked Charizard is because at least he's a, he's a sought-after card, right? Like, I think people will actually want to buy this. Now imagine buying something that, you know, or sending all the cards that no one cares about, right? Don't send your Charizard V. Don't send, like, don't do that. That's, I, I think you still got to be very smart when you send these cards in. I may do an experiment here very soon, actually, um, to see what we can do. Um, 15 bucks a card with no minimums. I think that's great because that's where they win. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on, too. No membership. Okay. PSA, my membership cost me a hundred bucks right now. A hundred bucks a year. Um, that is like on a normal day, that's like, you know, four to five slabs that I have to sell to pay for my membership for the year. Okay. That's one thing. If, if you're just starting out, that's kind of hard. You know, if you're not built up, that sucks. Um, no declared value limits. This is amazing, right? So this is where it gets crazy because you know, I, I had a Lugia. My, my wife pulled Lugia um, from Silver Tempest. We ended up grading a nine on that card. Now with PSA, you know, you do have, they did have, they do have $19 bulk uh, and it's any card up to $499. Well, I knew, I knew in my head that I was going to get a nine. I, I just looked at it. It was off center. Okay, we're going to get a nine. So it qualifies for the bulk price because I know that a PSA nine is not going to sell for $499. So I was like, we're safe. We're good. Here's the thing. If you had a 10, if you had a 10 in that Lugia, you wouldn't be able to send it at the bulk price at PSA. You would have to send it at the next service level, which I think is 40 bucks. So in that case, it would be better to send it to SGC because SGC, in my opinion, has very similar grading standards to PSA. Very similar. They're not the same. They're very similar though. So if you think you got a shot at a 10, you could send your Lugia to SGC for 15 bucks, get it back in five to 10 days and get the price of a, of a 10. You can get that premium price of a 10 with no max declared value. And then there's no minimums. So if you only had that Lugia and you didn't have 20 other cards to send with it, this is a great option. And I think that's a card that, that does really well, right? 15 bucks. I'm, you, could, you could buy one right now for $200. Let's say you buy a Lugia for 200. You could literally pay like 220 out the door, send it to SGC, and you're at like 235, 240 total cost, right? Let's say 240. 
you can turn around and sell that 10 for 500 plus. You won't get the 600 plus premium like PSA does, but you will get just under that. I would say 500 to 575. That is 100x, 100%, my bad, not 100x. That's 100% of what you invested into it. And that, I think, is where SGC can win. Um, but it's not as easy as you think. And this was this is a card like Charizard. Like everybody pays good money for Charizards, and it's like, look, even at this with this card, you can't. Um, so, do your due diligence. Take your time, and I think this is worth it. I think this is a great move um, because fifteen dollars at the end of the day, you know. Let me tell you guys. Like so, when I sell when I sell some of my cheapest slabs, sometimes I profit like four bucks. Right, I'll profit like four or five dollars. That's the difference between a $15 grade and a $19 grade, right? So if I send my cards to PSA now and they're 19 bucks a pop, I just lost $4 in cost, which is going to take away from my profits, which means my 3 to $4 slabs that I profit, I'm not making anything now. So that's where like you can actually do really well. Now, the only thing I don't like about this is the, nine, the whole 9.5 thing. I don't like that, right? It's either a 9 or a 10. That's just my opinion. It's either a 9 or a 10. Um, and you know, that can really bite you in the butt because SGC nines don't really hold the candle to PSA nines. Now there are a few circumstances where it, that's not true, but, uh, for the most part, right. An SGC nine is not going to perform like a PSA nine and an SGC 10 might not perform like a PSA 10 right now. You may get lucky here and there, but not all the time. So I'm just here to tell you that I'm considering this. Um, I need to I need to really take a look through my my candidates or what we're gonna grade here, and maybe we give it a shot. You know, because uh, I think the slabs look great. I actually love the way the slabs look, um, and I'm I'm convinced after watching their video today that their grading standards are very aligned with how I evaluate cards myself. Um, so really cool. Um, and and again, I'm not hating on this. I think it's great. I think if you're gonna do this, this is a great opportunity for you to start. Your trading card business, if that's what you want to do, it's very low cost. This is the best cost. I think this is the best brand you can get at that price, right? CGC can come in and, and undercut at 10 bucks. I don't believe in that brand. I think that's why their slabs sell for, you know, 15 bucks sometimes, right? Nobody believes in it. Um, I'm just not a fan. I think these slabs look better. I think their grading standards are just a tad closer to what I believe in how cards should be graded. And I think they're, they've been around longer. So you have Prestige, right? Because when you, when you talk about the, the top three grading brands, you're talking BGS, PSA, SGC, then CGC, right? So I think you're, you're using a top three brand with the, with the cheapest price, the least amount of rules uh, here in, in terms of what you have to do to get that $15 grade. Um, and you get next to premium prices. So here we go, guys. SGC. Um, I think, I think it's a great play. I think it's a great move. Got to be smart about it, but uh, it can work. All right. Moving on to Yu-Gi-Oh! this week. Here we go. All right. We got the new kicks. We got some Yu-Gi-Oh! Adidas shoes. Now, these have been out for a minute. Um, but uh, I, know, I know CT and like Chris and a couple others had, have brought it up in the Discord. And I kind of just like, oh, yeah, those are sweet. Those are cool. You know, um, I wouldn't buy it. I don't like the shoes. Uh, but the card, the card, right? Um, I think I think there's something going on here. And I think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be big. 
Uh, so let's go ahead and check it out. Let me see here. Uh, boop, there we go. All right. So these are the Adidas shoes that Yu-Gi-Oh did. Western release of Adidas X Yu-Gi-Oh. <clears throat> okay. So having launched their first collaborative sneakers earlier this year, Adidas Originals and Yu-Gi-Oh return for their final sneaker showdown. New spellbinding take on the 80, 82,000 silhouettes. Okay, so these shoes were inspired by Yami Yugi. It's kind of cool. Um, they got the little details here and there to kind of allude back to the show. I'm not going to talk about it too much. What I really want to talk about is the Dark Magician. So the shoes and the included card were also shown off at the Expedition Adidas Original Flagship Store in Harajuku. Check that out. So, and and if you go on eBay right now, this is this this is the ADC one en one People are trying to sell this magician for for three hundred plus, um, and rightfully so, right? I I think I don't think there's going to be a lot of these shoes out there. Maybe maybe a maybe yeah, maybe a couple thousand maybe, but when you when you throw a guy like Dark Magician on that, I think that transcends all that, anyways. Um, I'm really considering getting this. And and the reason why is because this card I think is instantly a top five dark magician card. Like legit, like the same artwork. So there are different variants of dark magician fusions and things like that. But um, I'm talking straight up dark magician um, in that artwork, right? So you have dark dual stories. Um, you have your starter deck first dead. Um, you could do unlimited starter deck. You have this one right here uh, for Adidas, and you may have an, a couple other contenders. But this guy at four hundred dollars, or I'm sorry, three hundred plus, right? He's already more expensive than most cards, except for the Dark Duel stories, I believe. So this automatically like launches him, even though it's brand new. It launches him right into the top top five, maybe top ten if there's a couple more I'm missing, but um. I think it's a top five magician card and it's probably going to be there for long. It's that's it's here to stay. I kind of view it just like I view dark dual stories. I'm not saying it's going to be better than dark dual stories. I'm just saying the level of prestige and rarity and who's going to want this. I think it's gonna be a big deal and I could be wrong. It's still really early, but um, I believe that does have like an Adidas logo on the card itself. Uh, and it, it looks amazing. And uh, I'm, I almost bought, it's funny, I almost bought two pairs of shoes today with the cards. Uh, I was going to pay $2.99 each. Uh, they had my size shoes. So I was like, I'll get two, two of the same ones. I'll probably sell the shoes, but I'm going to keep the cards. You know, that's what I was thinking. Or I'll, I'll grade one card and keep everything else sealed, you know. Um, but I was thinking about doing this. Uh, and I didn't. Um, just decided not to. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and watch which might be the worst idea ever. These might be like a thousand bucks here in about two months, but who knows? Um, I'm not in a rush to get a dark magician. I, I have a small dark magician collection and I enjoy it. So no rush to try and get there. Although that might be the worst thing I do if, if this card takes off. And, and I think it has that kind of potential to do that. Um, so there you guys go. That's the news on Yu-Gi-Oh. They're great looking shoes. Go on eBay, go on eBay. They're all over the place. Uh, you know, people got these, um, the shoes are kind of ugly. I'll give you that. Kind of ugly. Um, but I would keep them in a box. I would totally do that. Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't really collect nice shoes, but like I said, for birthdays and like Christmas, I always receive nice shoes like Kobe's, right? I have some brand new like Kawhi Goosebumps edition, like stuff like that. I get gifted. Um, I don't ever go out of my way to buy them, but I get gifted those things. So I have like, you know, nice shoes that I don't deserve to wear, but <laughs> so I wouldn't wear these, but, uh, you know, I definitely have some, some interest in cool shoes, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go for the card. I almost went for the two today, but I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait and and we'll see. Maybe, maybe it's because, you know, maybe you just paid the premium on a PSA 10. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't have an answer. I, I just saw these and I keep seeing it. And then the guys keep bringing it up in the discord and I'm like, okay, okay. I, I, uh, I think, I think this is a cool, a uh, cool thing. And, and I just think that there's not going to be a lot. I really don't. I could be wrong about that, but a couple thousand maybe. And I still think that's stupid rare. I think there are more than a couple thousand dark magician fans out there who'd love to have this card. That's, that's kind of where my mind goes with that. Um, but yeah, there you go. That comes from Yu-Gi-Oh organization.com. I hadn't made, had to make sure we shared that. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, let me see here. Moving on. What do we got next? Ooh, we got some Digimon next. Here we go. All right. Digimon BT 11. Uh, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks. A few weeks back, we talked about how they have you know, the new alternate art gold rares that are supposed to be stupid rare. Uh, then we talked about like five or six different things that Bandai is doing to kind of bring you in and be like, hey, this is why you should buy this set. Well, they dropped another reason. And the sixth reason why you should be buying this set is because they're inserting campaign rares. So this set is absolutely loaded. Loaded. Um, I'm like stunned at how loaded it is. <laughs> like All the stuff we talked about in previous episodes, and then they threw in these campaign rares, and they don't look bad. They look pretty nice. Um, Seraphimon, Metal Tyrannomon, Rust Tyrannomon, Gazimon, Hidden Potential Discovered, Zephyrmon, Dorymon, Eosmon, Hexblumon, Hexblaumon, and Commandermon. Now, these aren't the world's strongest char characters, so I, I get it. So if, you, if, if there's no use for them in the game, which I'm not sure because I don't follow the meta too much, if there's no use for them in the game, they're probably not going to be crazy sought after. Although they're very nice looking cards. Um, here, let me let me show you what I'm talking about here. Uh, that's not what you're supposed to see. Hold on. There you go. My bad. Um, so that Seraphimon's really nice, and I bet you it looks really good in person too. They never really capture how cool they are, you know, on these screen shots like this. Uh, but the character selection is a little questionable. Again, if this is for players, I think that's great. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about is, you know, maybe you don't get too hyped on this and we take a look at history and we learn from campaign rares. So here are two of what I think are the best campaign rares you can get, which would be War Greymon and Metal Gurumon. And again, we're talking about collecting. We're not talking about playing the game. However... You can get a War Greymon for 45 cents and a Metal Gurumon for 29 cents right now. And I also have a snapshot here of their one-year performance. As you can see, these cards debuted at about $5 and have just completely tanked. There was a little resurgence about in July this year, the summertime this year, and then it went away. 
Um, they debuted at four and they just tanked ever since. I would say if you're getting excited about these campaign rares and you're asking yourself that question, should I get these? Should I, should I be trying to get all these campaign rares? I would say I would go back and get these ones. They're stupid cheap, better characters, better artwork, older set. I would go for these. Um, if if anything's gonna have a shot, right? That, I guess that's what it is. So there's no shot here. I don't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think these are gonna do too great over time. I think these will be a few bucks, right? Unless they're meta, then you know you might see a fifteen twenty dollar card. I get that. That's and that's good. I'm all for that. But in terms of collectability, I would say if any card is going to have a shot in a campaign rare, right? Because that's what they call them. It would be the original campaign rares because you have characters that people remember. You have good artwork. You have an older set. Like when are they going to reprint next adventure? They're probably not going to do that because it didn't do too well. So your chances of next adventure being printed before dimensional phase happens again are low. I think, I think next adventure is just going to die. That's just how it is. Um, and then these will eventually go away. And, uh, I think if if you're gonna if you're gonna take a low risk gamble, it would be like get a couple copies of these, get a couple copies of these, uh, instead of trying to race to these because these will probably debut like these did and they'll just die. Except for the few that maybe you can play in the game. Um, but campaign rares, you know, it's a cool insert though. I think, I think it's a good. This set is loaded. That's the first thing. There's so much stuff going on. It's not just the campaign rares. It's just it's not just the gold alternate art rares. Like they have so much stuff going on in this set that this is just like icing on the cake. Like I'm getting I'm getting like cosmic eclipse vibes, you know what I mean? Like evolving skies, cosmic eclipse where it's like even if you get a cold pack, you're going to get something. Uh and that's just a good feeling. That's a fun rip is what it is. It makes it very fun to just have open and you know you feel like you got something so uh again campaign rares if you're gonna go campaign rares i would go with the originals i'm not saying they're gonna take off that's not what i'm saying at all what i'm trying to get to you is that if you're gonna pick one and get excited about campaign rares go for the originals pretty 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 straightforward there's really not much else for me to say about that okay excuse me going on to Marvel this week. We got some pretty cool stuff to talk about. Here we go. All right. So a few weeks ago, we started our Excelsior segment. And that's going to be based on us, you know, trying to get better at collecting Marvel and learning about Marvel trading cards, uh, Avengers, right? Maybe we'll even get into DC too. But, you know, I think most of us are Marvel guys. Uh, we started off learning about the 1966 Don Russ Marvel oldest set you can get, first set you can get. Um, but what I noticed is a lot of our guys in our group, they like uh, the Avengers. They like the idea of the Avengers. So what I had to do is I went and Googled, um, you know, Avengers sets. How can we collect Avenger sets? And I actually found something that was pretty good from Cardboard Connection here. So let me go ahead and pull that up. 
cardboard connection and, and we've we found a few articles for them now so I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed with this website and, and the information they give um, but what we have today is the ultimate Marvel Avengers card collecting guide Overview. In 1963, Marvel Comics debuted their response to a massive success of DC's Justice League with a supergroup of their own, the Avengers. The Avengers, originally comprised of characters only recently introduced in the Marvel Universe, the Avengers quickly became a staple of comic book stores for decades to follow, and the team, as well as each individual character, has spawned thousands of comic book issues, dozens of movies, and the television shows, and a handful of trading card sets. Okay, so the Avengers came out in about the 60s, right? And that was made to combat the Justice League. I had no idea about that. That's actually, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So um, this is just a history of the Avengers and all that stuff. Um, Now, here we go. This is what I wanted to get to. While there are no official announcements for future Avengers cards, with two movies forthcoming, it is a safe bet that there are more on the way. Becoming a collector of superhero teams like the Avengers, Fantastic Four, or Justice League can be a very fun hobby as you track down every variant, relic, autograph, or chase set on the market. Here we go. So this is a list of Avengers cards. If you were going to collect Avengers only, this is where you would start. Mind all these eBay ads. That's terrible. Okay. 2016. I'm sorry. 2006 to 2014 sets. That's that's going to be your guide. You're going to be buying cards between 2006 to 2014. And the first set, the earliest set that we have for Avengers cards is the 2006 Rittenhouse, the complete Avengers. The earliest card set devoted solely to the Avengers wasn't released until 2006 and is a comprehensive retrospective of the first 43 years of the comic franchise. So this set captures everything from the 60s. With an 81 card base set and a healthy amount of extras, the complete Avengers by Rittenhouse is a gorgeous set of cards that chronologically details the major events from the comic books and ultimately ties in with the 2006-2007 Marvel crossover event, Civil War. So you got 40 years of history in this original set. Every hobby box of the Complete Avengers includes a hand-drawn sketch card, which, as Rittenhouse claims, is a first for any trading card series. Another first for comic-based series are a set of relic cards that include panels cut from the original 10 Avengers comics. That's sick. I didn't know about that. Rittenhouse calls these relics cut archives and included them as dealer incentives. Wow. Hmm, I wonder how much those are. There are also three chase sets ranging in scarcity. The nine card greatest enemies are one in ten pool. Um, And those that chase set has original villain artwork by John Zop. Zop. John Zop. The 18 cards... 18 card Earth's Mightiest Heroes is a 1 in 20 set. 1 in 20 pool. Present foil treatments of popular comic covers. And the 9 card Legendary Heroes set is a 1 in 40 pool. Holy cow. Set honor the founders of the Avengers and are harder to acquire than the sketch cards. Okay, so you want to look for the Legendary Heroes cards. That's interesting. The most rare cards from this set are the Stan Lee's sketch cards, which are limited to only 100. It isn't terribly difficult to track down, 
Stanley sketch cards in the trade market, but they do understandably command a high asking price. This is where you want to start. Um, and I know, I know that there's, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard when you, when you just start off collecting, you're like, I don't want to spend a lot of money. I just kind of dip my toes in. I get it. But my biggest advice and something that I've learned just time and time again, always go for the original, always go for the best, always go for the rarest that you can afford. Do it the right way the first time. That way you don't have to backtrack in two years when you're too deep and you're like, man, if I would have known what I know now, I would have bought this, right? It happens every time. Happens every time. I don't want to see that happen to you guys with Avengers. I don't want to see it happen with sports cards. So less volume does not mean bad, right? Like you may not be able to buy as many cards because the good ones are expensive. But the second you start accumulating good cards, your collection grows, right? Okay, the next set is a 2011 Upper Deck Avengers Cree Scroll Wars. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. So this was released in 2011. Um, it's a full-fledged comic book story with every nine cards combining to make a full page of the story. That's nuts. The story is based on the on, on, and in continuity to a popular arc from 1971. Wow, they write these things so weird. Okay. There are five complete stories in the set. Oh my gosh. See, I, I don't know if I could do something like that. That's just tough. That, Probably looks great, but I just could not do that. Um, here we go. So you have 189 cards in this set. Uh, equates to 42 pages of comic storylines when you put them all together. There are also cover cards, one to a pack, which combine to create a full cover art and a very rare 1 in 432 sketch card. What in the world? Although this set was a conceptual high point for comic card collecting, the execution fell flat with a story that wasn't good. And that I kind of I'm kind of reading that like I get that when you talk about how hard it was to to get all this stuff and put all the pieces together, like it takes a special kind of person to do that. Wow. Okay. So you go 2006, you go 2011. What's next? You got 2012 Upper Deck Avengers Assemble. Now, these look like movie cards, right? Yep, it coincides with the release of the first Avengers film. Upper Deck released Avengers Assemble in 2012. The 170-card set came with three hits per box. That's not too bad. One sketch, one single or duo memorabilia card, and one trio or quad memorabilia printing plate. What? That's pretty cool. Because of the unique collation of hits, the popularity of the film, and the respectable but limited autograph list, hobby, bo hobby boxes for this set are harder to find and certain cards have slightly inflated asking prices. Oh, wow. So, so this seems like more of a money set here. More rare with this set is a two-per-case ultimate panel cards, which look like cut archive cards from Rittenhouse. Wow. That's pretty sweet. What's next? Okay, we got 2015 set. Age of Ultron. This is from Upper Deck. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. I like the way that card looks. To commemorate the sequel of the 2012 Avengers, Upper Deck released their 90-card Age of Ultron set. Much like their Avengers Assemble set, this collection includes a number of different relic and autograph combinations. See, that's what I like. That's cool. 
including double and triple autograph cards. While the base set is much smaller than the 2012 offering, there are a number of chase cards and variants to collect as well as the requisite sketch cards. So same type of stuff in the 2015 set, but a little bit smaller. Nice. What's next? We got the 2015 Rittenhouse Avengers Silver Age. This looks more like comic book style uh, cards. Okay. Oh, they got gold chase cards in there. Those are numbered to 10. And then you have silver parallels which are numbered to 100. So this has like a throwback look to it, but they were printed in 2015. Moving on, you got the 2015 Tops Attacks Avengers Hero. Hero Attacks cards released by Tops are not traditional trading cards but are game pieces to their popular game. Okay. Looks like you got 200 something, 207 cards in the set. Holy cow. Despite its continental exclusivity, so this was made in Europe. Got it. This set is very easy to track down in the States. Okay. All right, all right. The majority of the cards will be damaged or in poor condition, so diehard Avengers collectors may find great value in a complete mint condition set. Hmm. I like the way those cards look, though. I like that. This looks interesting. Oh, yeah. So you got the 2015 Subway Avengers Augmented Reality. This oddball set is a six-card Canadian exclusive. Oh, we got our Canadians. Customers of Canadian Subway sandwich stores who ordered a meal would receive one of these cards free of their purchase. Once you had the card and downloaded an app on your phone, simply pointing your phone at the card would unlock custom 3D content on the surface of the card. The tech. The technology. That's very cool. It's Subway. Subway's okay. So that's the last set right there. And that's actually kind of... That could be the... Those cards look kind of cool. Like, I like the idea that they did. And I, it's cool. I like the restaurant cards. Like So, like, if you see, like, McDonald's or Taco Bell... Subway, like when they do their own specials like that, it's kind of kind of cool. And it's only six cards. So that would be like a very easy start. Like for you to start off, you know, hey, I'm going to try getting the 2015 Subway Avengers cards. And once you get them all, it's like, hey, I completed a set and move on. Um, that's pretty sweet. So that's a quick history. It was kind of quick, right? Uh, from the Cardboard Connection, the ultimate Marvel Avengers card collecting guy. So if you're a Marvel guy... You might want to start at 2006 and work your way up to 2015. It's not much. Okay. Let me see what else we got going on here. We are moving on to our sports card segment. Here we go. That was it. The whistle. I know you guys love that uh, that sample. Okay. This one's kind of interesting. And I don't know how this will go. Um, but this was just published. Shoot. About 20 days ago, January 13th, 2023, comes from Gold Card Auctions. And this is the definitive guide, best time to buy and sell sports cards. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because I want to make sure that you guys get the best prices possible on your sports cards. Because, again, we're all new at this. Some of you are even newer at this than me. If you don't give yourself a chance, it's likely that you will get got. Okay. So you got to educate, educate, educate as much as you can. And, um, I thought this was great. I thought this was really good. And, and this is, this fall, 
I don't, I've only been buying, you know, shoot, I haven't bought baseball since 2020. Um, I've bought basketball since 2018, bought football since around the same time. So, uh, I guess you could say for those, for, for basketball and, and football, I definitely time when I buy my stuff. I, I definitely have things that I'm thinking about before I buy cards. Like, oh, you know, I could probably get this for a better price at this time of year because of this and this. Um, very interesting. And, and you don't really see this with TCGs because they don't have seasons per se. Um, TCGs kind of, you can, you, you know when to buy stuff for TCGs because the set will get old or, you know, it's been out for eight weeks. It's at the end of its like life cycle, right? That kind of helps, but this is, this is really easy. So, um, we're going to get into it. This is the, the definitive guide, best time to buy and sell sports cards. This is one of the most frequent emails we receive is when is the best time to buy and sell my cards? So we would provide some advice along with an easy to read flow chart on the best time to buy and sell your baseball, football, hockey, and basketball cards. If you guys want this chart, let me know. I'll say, I'll share it with you guys in the discord. Okay. So here's a full on chart here. You got your buy symbols for a specific sport right here on the left. You got your sell symbols on the right. So, who's been buying football cards in January? Raise your hand. Me. Um, and so I've kind of gone against the grain here. But I also know how to do math. So when I see a good deal, I go for it. However, you can also get good deals even later on in the season, right? Um, right now we're on the cusp of a Super Bowl. So it's not the best time to buy football. However, some cards have gone down 30, 40%. So I have bought some cards uh, on a serious discount. And, you know, I use multiple metrics. I'll check eBay. I'll check the card ladder. I'll check 130 point, right? And then I'll check raw price. I check all this stuff. And then it's like, look, this guy's under market, you know, 40%. I'm going after it. I don't care. I don't care if I can get it later on this year. I don't think I can get that card later on this year. So it's still situational, but this is a great guide, right? Who's been buying hockey cards in January? Raise your hand. I know some of you guys have been buying hockey cards. It's actually probably not the best time to buy right now. You want to be selling hockey from January all the way to June. The only thing we should be buying, according to this chart, is baseball. Now, I'm not a huge baseball guy, and I, you know, I got a small baseball stash, but eventually those will be sold and or graded. And then that'll be that. I don't really like collecting baseball. Um, when should you be buying football? And this is, this is pretty, uh, this is, we got a ways to go before we can buy football. They're saying September all the way to December. You should be selling. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm sorry. We should, <laughs> I, this is backwards. My bad. We should be buying football in May and June and July. So why is that? Well, that's because if you go to May, that's three months after the Super Bowl. So people have forgot about football, right? Um, May, June, July. And that makes perfect sense. Um, for some of you that I've talked to in the Discord, I've, I've been telling you like, hey, wait till the summer. Wait till the summer. The card you're looking at, you'll probably find it for cheaper. Um, now. Let's talk about that. What about what about these 
you know, rarer cards that are serial numbered to 10, serial numbered to 15. And there's only two for sale on eBay, right? Is that going to be available in July for discount? Probably not. But I'm talking about your bolt cards, right? Your opti- your uh, your optic hollows, your prism silvers, right? That type of stuff that that isn't numbered and it doesn't have an autograph, it's not doesn't have a patch, right? That type of stuff you can wait till this summer to buy. Um, but if you're buying like big boy stuff, that's pretty much year round. Um, you don't want to buy, you know, when someone's on fire. Like you don't buy burrow cards when he's, you know, on the way to Super Bowl. You don't do that. Um, unless you get an absolute steal. And the only way you know your steal is if you look at your six-month prices and you look at your nine-month prices and then your year. And if you can draw that all the way back and you're like, wait a minute, I can get this card for the same price that you could have bought it eight months ago. Then, you know, that makes sense. Uh, but then there's other times you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> last year or, you know, last summer, this card was 200 bucks, And now in January, it's 1200 right? It's like six, six times the price. That's something you could probably wait on. Just kind of depends. It, it, it's still situational. I don't think this is a great, this isn't the end all be all, but this is a great little chart to kind of give you an idea. If you have no idea what to do, this is a great time. Great, great way to look at it. Buying low and selling high is a simplistic way of seeing things, but it's the key to maximizing revenue. And I guess that's why I'm sharing this with you guys. I want to make sure that you guys while you're growing your collections and you're enjoying ripping this stuff open and you're enjoying buying stuff, which is good, makes you happy, do it. But also do it in the smartest way possible. <clears throat> All right. Best time to sell football. We'll talk about that. NFL cards are always popular, but you'll see a, an uptick in prices if you can wait until September to offload your collection. The five-month period between September and January is the best time to sell matching the progression of the NFL season. There's an extra boost during the run-up to Christmas. So November, December was a great time to sell football. Opening day is also notable, notable. With cards being snapped up in anticipation of a good year, it's best to sell on hype. But you could miss out on future profits if a player exceeds expectations later in the summer. This is that double-edged sword, right? Um, Make a decision and stick with it. Best time to buy NFL, May, June, July. Best time to sell NFL, September, October, November, December, January. Okay, let's go ahead and check out basketball. When's the best time to buy basketball? July, August, September. When is the worst time or the time to sell basketball? October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Holy cow. So you got a really small window with NBA. You got three months in the NBA where you can buy kind of the best prices and then the and after that it's like I mean one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months out of the year you can sell your basketball cards. That's nuts. If you have a mint copy of a scarce card, and this is what I was kind of talking about, it's a brilliant idea to list it up for a price you'd be willing to let it go for. Otherwise, keep an eye on fluctuations and make sure to buy in the during the slowest periods. Again, basketball is very, very popular. Um you're going to have a lot of people trying to get in and out of basketball. Uh, and it's one of those things like, you know, an expensive card is going to be expensive year round. So you just try and find that opportunity where you can get it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Let's say it's a $5,000 card. Maybe you can pay, you know, three, seven, three, eight. 
And it's like, that's the best you're going to do. You're not getting it for a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? So keep that in mind too. Hockey. We got some hockey guys. Best time to buy July, August, September. Best time to sell October through June. Holy cow. They got much larger windows. <clears throat> so there you guys go. I'm not going to touch on all this. Um, I don't want to, you know, beat it up too much, but, uh, football hold out, hold out to this summer. If you can, if you can, if, if you can find good retail products, you know, go ahead and get them. But, um, be careful, you know what I mean? And save your money, save your money for the good stuff. That's what I would do. Be patient, save your money for the good stuff. It'll pay off later. What won't pay off is, you know, that retail box that you buy and does nothing for you. You're not going to get anything out of that. And if you talk about if what I'm trying to get to is like, if you want to build a, a, a credible, respectable collection, that's worth something. And you want to secure some money that you've spent, spend it on quality stuff. That's where I'm getting. If you're just here to rip anytime, any place, it doesn't even matter. Okay. That's it for sports cards this week. Moving on to our last segment of the night. Gengar's grabs. Here we go. All right, Gengar's grabs. This is our segment all about you guys. These are the cards that you grabbed this week and you shared it on the Discord and probably gave me a quick story on, on why it is. And I, I kind of grade it, pick it, what I like and, and what I think is cool. So here we go. Number five this week. Going with CT. So CT, this is just a bunch of Pokemon cards. I know you're probably like, why? Why? What's so significant? Well, he actually bought a case of Crown Zenith and he went in. And I just, I think that's cool. Um, I think that's something that we, you know, when you talk about money and, and, and doing well and pulling cool stuff, like you forget that it's just extremely fun to open a ton of packs. And if you have that opportunity, try it every here and there, right? It's fun. Looks like he got a gold card right there in the middle. Um, he got some Zero Aura stuff. He got a couple Charizards. Looks like he got a Zashi in there. Darkrai. Pretty pretty cool cards. Um, I'd be sending that gold off to get graded ASAP. All right. Number four. Omega Saiyan Mon. KJ with the PSA 9. This is the... Uh, Justin Herbert, I want to say it's White Hot Rookies. Is that what it's called? I think Burrow has a version that's called Red Hot Rookies, and it looks red. Same card, though. Um, what's cool about this set is I remember uh, I remember opening these packs with my dad, and my dad pulled the Burrow. So um, this is one of, the, one of the first sets I got really excited about because the Chargers picked up Herbert. Um, so we, we went and bought you know as much retail as we could because I think they also released the downtown inserts in this series i believe yeah so that's how i got my first downtown card too was opening up retail products but i knew you know i didn't know jalen hurts was going to be good but i knew that the downtown inserts was like one of those we talked about this last week in the sports card section right where it was like if you're going to buy retail make sure that there's some sort of exclusive in there and it was the downtown cards so all right number three paperclip jake so he got a, this is, these are both crazy interesting. Um, it's got a Star Wars patch card uh, with the Ewok and that's, that is fur from the movie set. 
that I'm guessing an Ewok war. Um, on the bottom there, it's got a Devin Hester. Looks like a patch and auto, and I believe it was numbered to 20. And the cool thing about this is he now has, I guess, one of every card, one of every player in his top 10. And this is a good card. Like, this is the type of stuff I want you guys to be going after. Get your patches, get your autos, and get them serial numbered. I think those are the safest, best cards you can get. Uh, and someone like Devin Hester, who's going to be, you know, Hall of Famer, if not already, like, come on, he's best returner of all time. Okay, number two this week. Nick Byrne. Now, Nick, he's, he said this was a mixed bag on his... uh. His graded cards he got. He's got prime cards in there. He's got uh, illustrator cards in there. Looks like Japanese. Fossil. There's all kinds of stuff in there. Um, This card would have done better. The Ancient Mew. I mean, he's always dropping crazy stuff in here. But this card, this spread right here would have made number one this week. It would have made number one if it wasn't for Matt from Pallet Town. Now, Matt from Pallet Town sent in Dragon Ball uh, Heroes and um, My Hero Academia cards. And he got all 10s. So we got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You got 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 cards. He went 20 for 20 on PSA 10. Now, I know they're modern. I know they have a higher gem mint rate. But try it. You know what I mean? It's it not everyone can do this and it, it's tough. Um it's still tough even when you do high gem mint rates. So for to go 20 for 20 and these are great cards. I mean, the Gohan Beast secret rare, those are those are great. Um and then these are also awesome cards here. You got Vegeta Blue. Looks like Ultra Instinct Goku right there. Um I'm not a huge fan of my I don't know anything about My Hero Academia, but the fact that you graded all 10s. Yeah, you know, props, you know what I mean? Um so Again, I think that's something that, you know, if if you're going to grade cards, you want a gun for 10s. That's what you want, you know, and it's just the tried and true. And it's not to say that you're better than everyone. It's not to say, like, it's not about the value. It's just, like, the whole purpose of grading cards is to attain the highest grade possible. That's the whole purpose. Now, for whatever reasons you want those grades is different, but the whole purpose is to attain the highest grade possible in your collectible. Because you want to show it off to people. So to get all those 10s is absolutely nuts. And kudos to Matt uh, for doing that. Otherwise, I thought Nick had a great sub this week. He could have easily done number one. But again, look at the spread. You got you got some modern Pokemon. We got some sports cards. We got vintage Pokemon. We have some crazy relics from Star Wars and uh, sports cards. And then we have even My Hero Academia, which has probably never been in the Gengar's Grabs. And Dragon Ball Heroes, but again, it's all PSA 10s. Just to see all 20 like that, pretty nuts. All right, that is it for episode 120 of the Poke Tower Podcast. Thank you guys for watching. Please like, share, subscribe. You guys know what to do. Do all that stuff. Um, join our Discord because it's free. Click the links in any of our videos and you'll be in Discord. If not, send me uh, an email at thepoketowerpodcast at gmail.com. I'll get you in. Um, and that's it. Episode 120 in the wraps. I'll see you guys next week for episode 121. Peace.